I might be a bit late on this one, just a tad, but it's still very important information that I feel like I must impart on our audience. I have continued following the Birds Aren't Real saga because it really compelled me. I hate birds and I always knew that they're up to something. So I'm going to read for you an email from the Birds Aren't Real guys they sent me. And I just wanted to share it with everybody because it, it affects us all. This email is entitled, The CIA Killed Santa. I'm just going to go through it. It's coming from a reasonable point of view to begin with. That's what I like. Starts grounded. It does. Beautiful graphics on this, by the way. And it says, Why Christmas is so problematic, brought to you by Birds Aren't Real. I'm just going to explain the whole pictures to you. So we have a U.S. Air Force airplane flying over a hill with safe markers on it. The crosses say Cupid, Dasher, Rudolph, Vixen, Comet. Right, this is about Christmas, if you didn't gather that. So that's why I said it's a bit late. So it says the U.S. government has killed reindeer. And the government dropped poisonous toxins to kill the real birds for drone replacement. They accidentally killed Santa. Santa's reindeer in the process. Santa is the local nickname for a man named Chris Kringle from Montana in the 60s. <laughs> Santa was not happy about this. He demanded answers and spread the word throughout the town about those mystery toxins from the sky. And there's a picture of Santa with rosy cheeks looking upset. Santa was real and he was assassinated by the U.S. government is the next title. So the government refused to have their secrets spilled. Christopher Kringle was a real man who was disappeared by the deep state after they heard he was running his mouth. They shipped him off to Guantanamo Bay where he was burned at the stake simply for asking questions. <laughs> he was one of the first bird truthers. Rip. <laughs> Christmas is a scum garbage holiday, and it gets worse. 12 Days of Christmas is a government brainwashing song. In the song, half the days are about birds no one has ever seen. Turtle doves, partridges, French hens, etc. What do these have to do with Christmas? Why do we carol so blindly? <laughs> Christmas makes you dumb. Christmas was introduced to the public as a way of lowering the collective IQ so that bird robots would be accepted easier. So then there's a nice infographic chart showing the year that Christmas was introduced. So the 1950-1960s. <laughs> that was the year Christmas was introduced. There's okay. a peak in intelligence in between 1960 and 70. And so then Christmas really takes off and you see it just plummet now. And that that's <laughs> intelligence. It's down. <laughs> okay. Next heading. Think about it. Christmas doesn't make sense. Sitting around a pine tree in our house eating candy out of socks that we nailed to our fireplace talking about a man in our chimney saying nonsense like ho 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 and fa la 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 what does that even mean they want your brain soft and there's a picture of carolers there and there's an arrow pointing at them that says in any other context this behavior would have you institutionalized it's a fair point so all in all this information is sponsored by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola official beverage of birds aren't real. And then you can go to their website to buy some activism gear. But not Coca-Cola. No, not Coca-Cola. No, you have to go to Santa to get the Coca-Cola because he sells it. Exactly. He does sell it. He's the number one supplier of Coca-Cola. And that's the very belated update that I have for you today. Well, with that, I think you should all go look at birdsartreal.com, right? Yes. And sign up for their newsletters. Sign up for their newsletter because apparently it has some great information like that. It has really great information. And we should get on with the episode. Okay, let's do it. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe. When life or podcasters offer you fringe, you tell them perhaps. We are your perhaps accepting hosts, Taylor and Chelsea. And today we are here celebrating the Lunar New Year that is celebrated by a large chunk of the world. Now we are going to celebrate it in a strange way. We are going to be looking at the moon and all that it offers to us in very strange ways. More so what people are talking about about the moon. 
than the actual moon itself. The moon's great. And I think I should just start out with a few stats that you might not know about the moon. Specifically, how do you calculate a lunar new year? Well, it is the second new moon after the winter solstice. I think that's pretty straightforward, right? Why second? No idea, but that's how they do it. It's weird, but okay. I accept it. That's how it works. A few more things that just generally you might want to know about the moon. These are the strange facts about it. It is the second densest satellite in the solar system behind only Jupiter's moon Io. I did not know that. Nope. Yeah, if you took a tablespoon of the moon and the tablespoon of all the other moons, the moon would be the second densest. You might have noticed this about the moon, but just so that we all know it, the moon is tidally locked to the Earth so that the same face is always constantly facing the Earth so that you will never see the moon looking different in the sky other than being partially darkened. This does actually lead to some weird theories about the moon, but those will come up later. It's actually very common for things to be tidally locked around other things, particularly when we're looking at other planets in faraway solar systems. One thing I found weird is that the moon's actually not as bright as you think it would be. It's about the color of an old asphalt road. It just looks very bright because it is reflecting the sun off of it. Oh, that's weird. Like a grayish color yeah yeah like a mid to dark gray and this just has to be said because there might be people out there and it'll come up later again the sun and the moon are not the same size the moon is about 400 times smaller than the sun however the sun is about 400 times further away from the earth than the moon is therefore when they cross in the sky they seem to be about the same size i'm sorry do people really think that we're gonna talk about that later <laughs> Like the earth is bigger than the moon, right? The earth is bigger than the moon. It's not coming up. And then people think that the sun was smaller than the earth. We're not going to talk about that because this is a moon episode. Okay. The moon is slowly drifting away from the earth. It moves away from the earth about 3.8 centimeters per year. Oh, no. We need him. And in fact, we live in a unique time in our orbit because it's only because of the time that we exist in that we actually witnessed solar eclipses. Had our species existed several million years in the future, eclipses might not actually be a thing because they won't have the same ratio of size to distance, proportionally. So the moon won't fully cover the sun if it were to cross it. Weird. And of course, way in the past, several billion years or a billion years, the moon would not form a perfect eclipse. It would just fully cover the sun and you wouldn't get the corona around it. That's so weird. We live yeah. at the perfect time, that means. Yeah. The Earth is affected by the moon in several ways, not just tides. Tides are very much so a part of the moon orbiting around the Earth. But there's also little movements of the Earth that occur, not just water, when the moon is orbiting around. Well, it also affects people, I think. I can definitely tell when talking to someone that it's a full That's moon. That's actually not going crazy. to come up in this episode just because like it, it's common like astrology believing people say that but I couldn't find any evidence behind it or crazy people willing to explain their theories other than full moons make people crazy. Well you know what I should start making charts of how many crazy people I talk to in a day and then mm -hmm how and then where the moon is and i know people who work at like hospitals and stuff like that say the same thing but then again i don't know any scientific studies that have taken people up on that i would also like to hear about the retrograde things as well if you're willing to keep a chart on that i would actually really be curious about it i would love to but let's be honest i will forget about this conversation <laughs> Like the Earth, the moon also experiences earthquakes. However, on the moon, they are called moonquakes. They're much smaller than the Earth's. However, they can still happen and they can last up to half an hour. And oh. there is water on the moon. This is in the form of ice trapped within dust and minerals on and under the surface. It has been detected on areas of the lunar surface that are in permanent shadow and are therefore very cold, enabling the ice to survive. The water on the moon was likely delivered to the surface by comets. That's interesting. And I just need to go back to the earthquakes for a se second. Does the moon have tectonic plates? I believe so. Caused by gravitational influence. Okay. Unlike quakes on the Earth that last only a few minutes, uh, it doesn't say on this. I just wanted to say there are moon quakes. I don't know what causes them. Okay. I'm not sure if they have tectonic plates or not. It could be Mongolian deathworms. It could be. Or what are the ones in uh, Beetlejuice called? Sandworms? 
sandworms? Yeah. The ones in Tremors, which I can't remember. Are those sandworms too? Maybe. Oh, what are those called? They're not called Tremors. Might be. They might be called Tremors. <laughs> okay, that's all I had to say. Okay, but those are like my my main things that I need to talk about. A couple more I just wanted to say. These are not from stats or anything. They're just things that I remember from the past. And I've learned and I feel like aren't common knowledge that we should talk about. If a moon has a moon orbiting around it, that is very theoretically possible. Do you know what it's called? Moon squared. A moon moon, in fact. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> and if it had a moon, it would be called a moon moon moon. <laughs> that is scientific reasoning behind that. And when you're seeing the moon in the sky, it can appear any time of the day. Surprisingly, even I know when you see it during the day. Hmm. When you see its shadow, it is not the Earth's shadow reflecting off of it or on the moon. It is simply telling you where the sun is in reference to the moon. And the shady part is the furthest away from the sun. Oh. I always thought it was the Earth. It's a good one. Yeah, I know. That threw me off too. That's literally all you're seeing. If you see only a sliver of the moon, then that means the sun is really far away on the opposite side. Because there is, in fact, no dark side of the moon. There is only the far side of the moon that never sees us. Because it gets sun all the friggin' time. Oh, light side of the moon. But with that, we're going to get into the weird stuff. And we're going to start with, of course, the theory that for a short time, the moon was inhabited by bat people. Not related to Batman, of course. Just people that were part bat. What about Bat Boy? You know what? They might have been related to Bat Boy. I didn't read enough on it in the Weekly World News back in the day. But in August of 1835, the most widely read newspaper in the world reported that there were man bats living on the moon. The New York Sun told of bat-winged, copper-haired humanoids who were four feet tall, very intelligent, and lived in pyramids. The newspaper claimed source the work and findings of John Herschel, a real and respected astronomer, who had seen these bats. Hmm. from his seven-ton telescope he had transported from England to South Africa. Seven tons. This was not true in any way, but it didn't stop people from freaking out and including a committee of Yale scientists who went in search of Herschel's research to learn more themselves to see if this was correct. It took a full month before the New York Sun admitted it was a hoax and it tended to be satire and a comment on science relationship to religion. This was dubbed the Great Moon Hoax and it actually increased the newspaper circulation. <laughs> the Great Moon Hoax. As yep. if it was Not like... the regular moon hoax. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find the regular moon hoax. The greatest moon hoax of all time. <laughs> I always love thinking of these places of things that they're like, man, we just got to come up with a plan because otherwise we're all fired. And the guy being like, I know. It'll be the greatest moon hoax of all time. I always think of that with like the fart toys that are out there for kids. And it's like, we got to come up with a new toy for Christmas or we're all fucked. We're not going to get our bonuses. We're going to be out in the streets. Our families are going to be like so pissed at us. It's like, I got it. The fart machine. <laughs> the same thing in my mind. Yeah. Pretty Things much. that are going to save the day. That is constantly what the marketing or directions team is meetings are like. Yeah, yeah. Constantly <laughs> yeah, on the verge of being the fired. Day. What do you guys actually do? <laughs> Fuck, we got to come up with something. That's actually, yeah. in my mind, how the immune system's meetings look when they come up with allergies. Like your yeah. immune system is sitting there saying, Fuck, what do we actually do around here? We live in like a sterile environment. I know, that fucking corn. Yeah. No, no, that's actually terrible for the body. That That's the thing. That we're <laughs> we're going to fight it. We don't need to be fired. <laughs> that is the same thing. It's like the greatest moon hoax of all Fucking time. peanuts. <laughs> Everywhere dangerous. They kill us. We got to stop them. Must be stopped with that fucking moon. There's bats on it. Yeah, which leads us, of course, to why would people actually go to the moon? We apparently did in the 1960s, but there's bats there, so who would actually want to go there? Actually, about 5% of the American population thinks that the moon landing was a hoax. Yeah. All of them, I guess, because I don't know why you would think the first one was a hoax and not the next, but I've never actually seen it worded as, do you believe we've never been to the moon? Just the moon landing was a hoax. Yeah, I mean, there's bats there, so... 
That's yeah. the greatest moon information of all time. This dates back to like the 1970s. It kind of goes right when it happened in ways we're going to talk about. The, the real big push for like the moon landing was a hoax kind of comes up in the 1970s. An early and influential book about the subject of a moon landing conspiracy was called We Never Went to the Moon, colon, America's $30 billion swindle. It was self-published by Bill Casing, a former U.S. Navy officer with a Bachelor of Arts in English. Uh, this comes from Wikipedia, so they're really foreshadowing here. <laughs> Despite having no knowledge of rockets or technical writing, Casing was hired as a senior technical writer in 1956 by Rocketdyne, the company that built the F-1 engines used for the Saturn V rocket. He served as head of the technical publications unit at the company's propulsion field laboratory until 1963. The many allegations that Casing's book effectively began discussion of the moon landing as being faked. The book claims that the chance of a successful crude landing on the moon was calculated at 0.0017% and that despite close monitoring by the USSR, it would have been easier for NASA to fake the moon landing than to really go there. That's kind of the big part, the USSR thing, because they've been in space for a long time. Hmm. And in 1980, the Flat Earth Society accused NASA of faking the landing, arguing that they were staged by Hollywood with Walt Disney sponsorship <laughs> based on a script by Arthur C. Clarke and directed by Stanley Kubrick. Yes, I've heard Stanley Kubrick. He's, Kubrick always comes up with the moon landing. It's so yeah, weird. It does. Folklorist Linda Daig suggests that the writer-director Peter Hyams filmed Capricorn 1, which shows a hoax journey to Mars in a spacecraft that looks identical to Apollo craft, which have given a boost to the hoax's theory's popularity in the post-Vietnam era. Daig sees a parallel with other attitudes during the post-Watergate era, when the American public were inclined to distrust official accounts. Daig writes, quote, the mass media catapult these half-truths into a kind of twilight zone where people can make their guesses sound as truths. Mass media has a terrible impact on people who lack guidance. And in A Man on the Moon, first published in 1994, Andrew Chaikin mentions that at the time of Apollo 8's lunar orbit mission in 1968, similar conspiracy ideas were already in circulation. So these have been going on for a long time. There's a lot of different reasons why it was hoax, but most people point to a few things that they they show that it's hoax and we're going to go over those so first off it's the photographic and film oddities that people see so they, they brought back film and video so of course there's problems with that and we're not going to go over the myth busting on it in fact there's an episode of the Mythbusters going over most of these that i think is actually great yeah i've seen it one is that the crosshairs that are on the film are sometimes rotated or in the wrong place the quality of the photographs is implausibly high. There are no stars in any of the photos. The Apollo 11 astronauts also stated in post-mission press conferences that they did not remember seeing any stars during extravehicular activity. Conspiracists contend that NASA chose not to put the stars into the photos because astronomers would have been able to use them to determine whether the photos were taken from Earth or the Moon by means of identifying them and comparing their celestial positions and parallax to what would be expected for either observation site. The angle and color of shadows are inconsistent. This suggests that artificial lights were used. There are identical backgrounds and photos, which according to their captions, were taken miles apart. That's, this suggests that a painted background was used. The numbers of photos taken is implausibly high, up to one per 50 seconds. The photos taken contain artifacts like the seemingly matching seas. There's a rock that apparently has a C on it, and people believe, oh, this is clearly a prop because it has lettering on it. So they are supposed to put the sea rock in the sea location. Yeah. And a resident of Perth, Western Australia, a woman named Una Ronald, said that for two or three seconds in the original broadcast of the moon landing, she saw a Coca-Cola bottle roll across the lower right quadrant of her television screen that was displaying the live broadcast of Apollo 11. She also said that several letters appeared in the Western Australia discussing the incident within 10 days of lunar landing. I find that one hilarious and a lot closer to the Mandela effect than any. I was just gonna say, is this the Mandela effect? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> There appears to be hot spots in some photos that look like a large spotlight was used in place of the sun. Next up, who filmed Neil Armstrong stepping onto the moon? Nobody knows. Of course, all of those are actually very easily answered, except, of course, that one where she claims to have seen a Coke bottle, which the answer is no, you didn't. But that's really hard to argue. So Yeah, and especially if there's only one person that's come forward saying that they saw yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no one else. 
people also contend this is outside this is the environmental issues of going to the moon astronauts could not survive the trip because of exposure to radiation in the Van Allen radiation belt and galactic ambient radiation which is just in space it's a highly radioactive area that some people believe would just straight up kill humans while they're going through it some conspiracists have suggested that Starfish Prime, a high-altitude nuclear test, formed another intense layer of the Van Ella belt too, making it even harder to get through. This also, even if humans could get through it, how could film in cameras or video cameras come back without being fogged or severely damaged through radiation? Conspiracists also say that the moon's surface during the daytime is so hot that cameras could not film without being melted. The Apollo 16 crew could not have survived a big solar flare that fired out, that could have fired out when they were on their way to the moon, which no solar flares actually fired out at that time, so don't worry yeah. about that. And that the flag placed on the surface by the astronauts fluttered despite there being no wind on the moon. This suggests that it was filmed on Earth and a breeze caused the flag flutter. This would have been caused by indoor fans used to cool the astronauts since their spacesuits cooling systems would have been too heavy on Earth. They also believe there were mechanical issues just with the entire space exploration itself. The lunar module made no blast crater or any signs of dust scatter on its landing and therefore didn't actually land on the moon. They also say there are problems with the recordings. There should have been more than a two second delay in communications between Earth and the moon at a distance of 400,000 kilometers. And you don't hear that in any of the recordings. Of course, those have been edited to make them very easy to listen to as opposed to waiting over two seconds between hearing what <laughs> said and this one's actually true there is much missing data attached to the original moon landing including audio and video recordings as well as missing original blueprints um nobody does know what happened to those it's kind of just like it's over 60 years old and they ran into a storage problem so they just got lost that that one's obviously aliens not that they faked it and of course death of nasa personnel in a televised program about the moon landing hoax allegations fox entertainment group listed the deaths of 10 astronauts and two civilians related to the crew spaceflight program as part of an alleged cover-up. It's hilarious that they're saying that this is the cover-up the conspiracy because there's like 40,000 people involved in every step of the actual creation of the rockets to get to the moon and getting to the moon. And they only had to kill 10 to keep it a secret. Those are the most important secret keepers. Yeah. And then this is the story behind the Stanley Kubrick involvement. So Stanley Kubrick is accused of having produced much of the footage for Apollo 11 and 12. Part of this is because he had just directed 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is partly set on the moon and featured advanced special effects. It was claimed that when 2001 was in post-production in early 1968, NASA secretly approached Kubrick to direct the first three moon landings. The launch and splashdown would be real, but the spacecraft would stay in Earth orbit and fake footage broadcast as live from the moon. No evidence was offered for this theory, which overlooks many facts. For example, 2001 was released before the first Apollo landing and Kubrick's depiction of the moon's surface differs greatly from its appearance in the Apollo footage. The movement of characters on the moon in 2001 differs from that of the filmed movement of Apollo astronauts and does not resemble an environment with one-sixth the gravity of Earth. Several seasons in 2001 showed dust billowing at spacecrafts landed, something that would not happen in the vacuum environment of the moon. Kubrick did hire Frederick Orr and Harry Lange, both of whom had worked for NASA and major aerospace contractor to work with him on 2001. Kubrick also used some 50mm f.7 lenses that were left over from a batch made by Zeiss for NASA. However, Kubrick only got his lens from Barry Lyndon in 1975, and the lens was originally a still photo lens and needed changes to be used for motion filming. In December of 2005, a video surfaced which allegedly shows Kubrick being interviewed shortly before his death in 1999. The video purportedly shows the director confessing to T. Patrick Murray that the Apollo moon landing was faked and research quickly found, however, that the video was a hoax. So that's like all the ideas behind it. Why do people think it was faked? There's a whole bunch of reasons. One of them being that because they ran into the dome above the earth, that's the flat earth theory, and they needed to placate people and make them believe that that's not what happened. Fair enough. Desperate time. Yeah, exactly. The other one was the space race. I think we've talked about this before. The Americans for a long time were objectively absolutely being annihilated in the space race. USSR was the first one into space. 
they've got the first dog into space, the most important claim. They got the first human into space, Yuri Gagarin. They still are the only ones to ever send a probe to Venus. They did a ton of things, and the US arbitrarily decided, you know what really wins a space race? Putting a human on the moon, and then did that, and then said they won, and then they said space race over. I guess that's what happened, but that's one of the motivations for faking the space race because they were so They're desperate. objectively losing the space race. They needed a yeah. win somewhere. The other reason is because NASA was just created not that long ago and to justify its own existence and exorbitant budget. So they said, hey, why don't we fake a moon landing so that we can just like keep getting these billions of raking it in? Yeah, why not? And then, of course, the landing happened during the height of the Vietnam War. So they just say the U.S. needed a win. And what better way than getting some mass on the moon. So all those are some of the reasons that you hear as to why they faked it. Of course, not going with the one where they hit the dome and didn't know what to do, so they faked going past the dome. Yeah. The dome being the dome over the flat earth. Yeah, of course. And yeah, everybody had heard these stories before. NASA's heard them a thousand times. And in 2002, NASA actually gave James Oberg, I've never heard of him before, but they gave him $15,000 in a grant to write a point-by-point rebuttal of the hoax claim. And then they realized that, wait, if there's an officially NASA-sanctioned rebuttal to the conspiracy theories, that might actually just encourage more people to believe the conspiracy theory. <laughs> so they promptly canceled that idea. <laughs> which I find hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, you're just going to, like, let these crazy people's ideas be, like, justified and actually have to respond to them? Yeah, yeah, you know what, never mind. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Next up, Chelsea. Did you know there are Nazis on the moon? By moon, do you mean South America? I do not mean South America. I, in fact, mean, and I'm not talking about the great movie Iron Sky, which uh, alleges a science fiction future where Nazis are on the moon. No, I am, in fact, talking about a book by Vladimir Trzyski, which alleges actual Nazis' movement to the moon. I've never heard of this, no, but slightly intrigued? Is it true? Okay. Well, this comes from a book called Close Encounters of the Kugelblitz Kind <laughs> okay. by Vladimir Trzyski. It's written in the 90s, and I'm just going to read an excerpt from it. The Germans landed on the moon as early as probably 1942, utilizing their larger exoatmospheric rocket saucers of the Meath and Shriver type. The Meath rocket craft was built in diameters of 15 and 50 meters, and the Shriver Walter Turbine power craft was designed as an interplanetary exploration vehicle. And it had a diameter of 60 meters, had 10 stories of crew compartments, and stood 45 meters high. Ever since the first days of landing on the moon, the Germans started boring and tunneling under the surface. And by the end of the war, there was a small Nazi research base on the moon. The free energy tachyon drive craft of the Hanibu 1 and 2 type were used after 1944 to haul people, quote, material and the first robots to the construction sites on the moon, end quote. When Russians and Americans and secretly landed jointly on the moon in the early 50s with their own saucers. They spent their first night there as the guests of well, the Nazi underground base. According to the authors of the underground German documentary movie from the Thule Society, the only produced craft of the Hanibo 3 type, the 74 meter diameter naval warfare dreadnought, was chosen for the most courageous mission of this whole century, the trip to Mars. The craft was of saucer shape, had the bigger Andromeda attack ion drives, and was armed with four triple gun turrets of large naval caliber. A volunteer suicide crew of Germans and Japanese was chosen because everybody knew that this journey was a one-way journey with no return. The large intensity of the electromagnetogravitic fields and inferior quality of the metallic alloys used then for the structure elements of the drive was causing the metal to fatigue and get very brittle only after a few months of work of the drive. The flight to Mars departed from Germany one month before the war ended in April of 1945. The radio messages with the mixed news was received by the the German Underground Space Control Center in New Schwabland and by their research base on the moon. So on Mars and on the moon. And the moon, yeah. And this is going to tie in a bit to old episodes that we did. This is just a critique of who this Vladimir Trzyski is. I just need to find what book this came from. I believe it's Nazi UFO Myths. Yeah, Nazi UFO Myths by Kevin McClure. He wrote this. One of the few references that I haven't managed to find before writing this piece is a book probably from 1993 called Close Encounter of the Kugelblitz kind by Vladimir Trzyski. Trzyski first appeared in or 
around that year claiming to be the, quote, President American Academy of Dissident Sciences. When I wrote to the Academy asking for further information, my letter was returned, the Academy not being known at the address. He also claims that he is a Bulgarian-born engineer and physicist, graduated cum laude from the Masters of Science program of Tokai University in Tokyo in 1980, served as a solar energy researcher in Bulgarian Academy of Sciences before immigrating to the U.S. in 1984. Terzisky seems, with a little help from Al Bielik, oh no. of the completely loopy Montauk project, who was co-founder of the Academy to have introduced a completely new strand of Nazi UFO material. Well, that does it. It also appears in one of the series of the Montauk Project books. <laughs> it is so outrageously unbelievable, implausible, and devoid of supporting evidence that it has proved to be very popular among those who believe in all Illuminati conspiracies, <laughs> the New World Order, and the links between our rulers and the reptilian aliens. The last trace I found of Trzyski is as a speaker at a Patriot meeting in 1998, but his influence was on creating an alternative revised history in which Nazis won the end. <laughs> I was buying it until you said I'll be like. No, I love that part. <laughs> By the way, not the last reference from previous episodes that we've done. You just wait until we get to the end. You know what? As we go on, you get more and more references to all these people we've seen in other episodes. Yeah. You didn't see before. <laughs> it's like they're all in one big puzzle piece that connect all together. It's weird. I did like this. This comes from the sun.co.uk. It's an article from an author by the name of Douglas McKinnon who wrote the book The Dawn of a Nazi moon book one or I think there's more from there but the first one's called book one <laughs> you know reputable source he somewhat corroborates this Douglas McKinnon worked for the Pentagon and had conversations with Soviet generals as Russian troops closed in on Nazi Germany's top secret Pienemund rocket base one of the Russian army's forward observers team reported seeing the flames of several large rockets multiple sizes larger than the V2 lift off from the base into the darkness and rain of that evening the Soviet general then said, to the best of their knowledge, those rockets never came back down anywhere on Earth. He closed with, to this day, I have always wondered who was in those rockets and how many. Soon after becoming privy to that conversation, I went back to my office, made notes that I had absolutely no idea what to do with. The reported remarks from the general being so fantastical and incredulous that there was really nothing anyone could do with them unless they wanted to end their government career instantaneously. As I truly enjoyed my job at the time, I put the notebook in the bottom of one of my desk drawers. When I left the Pentagon in early 1993, the notebook was transferred to a box, which subsequently moved from one home to the next until two years ago when I opened it to look through it before discarding the contents in the trash. It was then that I came upon the long-forgotten notebook. During the time I made those notes in 1990, and then afterwards, I had worked space-related issues for the White House, the Pentagon, the United Space Alliance, and NASA. As I sat on a suitcase in my garage in 2018, rereading the old notebooks, it occurred to me that there was now a new race back to the moon starting. Race between the PRC, the People's Republic of China, Russia, and the United States. As I looked at the notes, I kept thinking, as crazy as it sounds, what if? What if military contingents from Nazi Germany did reach the moon in 1945? How would they have gotten there with the technology back then? How would they survive upon landing? Nazis thriving on the moon. This is what he actually wrote about. It's a what if. So he heard a few offhanded remarks from Soviet generals, and he's like, oh yeah, so the Nazis got to the moon. And then he wrote one of those like Tom DeLonge novels where it's like alluding to things that he thinks are true. But yeah, there's a few people that have said Nazis on the moon. They're all kind of crazy crazy. But you know who's not crazy? The people who talk about the hologram because the moon doesn't actually exist. It's a hologram up in the sky. Like the bat signal? Kind of like the bat signal, yes. Okay, cool. And for the most part, these people actually fall into the flat earth category. Oh. Who actually believe that the moon and the sun are the exact same size in the night sky. Because, you know, it's a dome. So they have to be the same size. Hmm. Because you can't go that far. Oh, okay, that makes sense now. It's very confused. Depending on who you actually talk to within the Flat Earth Society, some of them believe there are, yes, there are actually balls that go through the sky. Some believe it's a hologram up there. It's projected on the dome. Dave Marsh, an NHS manager from Derbyshire who came to Flat Earth Belief in November of 2016, tracked the movement of the moon across the night sky in order to compare his observations to the, quote, official records and see if the movement of the moon matched that of the globalist model. We're not even going to get into who the globalists are because that's a 
really slanted way of saying that I'm really distrustful of Jews. So mm. the result of his backyard experiments differed from data he found online, leading him to conclude that, quote, the moon is a projection put there for a reason, which we could study for a thousand more years and never understand. End quote. Wow. A more cautious experiment might look to the accuracy of their equipment before drawing such radical a conclusion. But it's hard not to admire his commitment. That's from the guard. Because they're strong, passionate words. Yep. <laughs> So that's the flat earth stuff there. <laughs> I really actually want to go from here to Moon Truthers, which has its own subreddit, which unfortunately nobody submitted anything in three years. So it's kind of dead. <laughs> but there's the Moon Truthers website. And I need to read this to you because this reads first, I'm going to state it out front because if you don't state it, not everybody's going to realize it. This is satire and it is fantastic. I like a good satire. Welcome to one of the Moon Truthers official websites. The Moon Truthers are people who believe that the moon is in fact not an actual hunk of rock orbiting the Earth, and that it is merely a light projection being shined by the U.S. government to distract us from the true secrets in our country. <laughs> Keep scrolling to learn more. If you are interested in becoming a Moon Truther, please go to our official website below. It's circular. It keeps sending you between these two websites. It's stupid. <laughs> so this is what the Moon Truthers believe. The beginning. The night used to be dark, only lit by the few lamps throughout streets in 1953. People People started to notice that the governments were doing things a little out of the ordinary. The people of America did not agree with the government turning their backs on the citizens they were supposed to protect and govern. They caused a great rebellion known as the Truthers and started to uncover secrets, which made them more mad. The government wanted to continue to rule over brainwashed pets, so they held a fake Truther rally and released a certain gas that put them all to sleep while they set up the light in the sky to keep the American people looking up instead of around them. When they all woke up, they believed that the moon had always been there. Those who weren't affected and knew what happened were either forced to work for the government, imprisoned, or even killed. Those who escaped and knew that this all had happened made a group called the Illuminati, named after the word illumination, huh. for the light put for the moon. I did not know that about the Illuminati. The Illuminati has shifted from what is once was, and the moon truthers have started the old tradition again. We have escaped imprisonment and death to show you the truth. And then they have a quick little explanation in relation to the Illuminati. The Illuminati was originally a group against the government because of the illumination of the government put in the sky. Since the group has become more of a cult and has even become a partner with the government in certain aspects. The Moon Truthers are more focused on the original idea of the Illuminati and have branched off as the way that they do things we don't agree with. We are not rivals, we are just separate. <laughs> And yeah, that's Moon Truthers, which I had to include because it was a fantastic little set I do like these truthers. They make us think about the information they put forth. Which is truth. Yeah. Because why wouldn't they? They're called the truthers and the other Only people the are not truth. called the truthers. They're called the government, in fact, which is bad. That's why we trust them. Yeah. But that's enough about the hologram moon. Let's talk about the physical moon that has nothing inside. It is, in fact, hollow. Now, there is a theory that, first off, the moon is a celestial body. It is real. But there's nothing on the inside. And the inside actually is either a moon base or a city or something. But we don't see all that the moon is because it is hollow on the inside. Yeah, and that and it doesn't turn. So it's just full of mysteries on most angles. Yeah, except on the side that we can see. Yeah. But this theory kind of gets hold in the 19th. 1960s, 1970s, when seismometers were installed on the moon by the Apollo missions, and they recorded moonquakes. The moon was ascribed to ring like a bell during some of these quakes, specifically the shallow ones. The phrase was brought to popular attention in March of 1970 in an article on popular science. And these are tests where they deliberately push cash loads into the moon, like coming back from the moon. They said, let's just drop shit and see what happens. And they did. And they said the moon rang like a bell. On uh, November 20th, 1969, Apollo 12 delivered deliberately crashed the ascent stage of its lunar module onto the moon's surface. NASA reported that it rang like a bell for almost an hour, leading to arguments that it must be hollow like a bell. Sounds familiar. I've heard it before. However, lunar seismology experiments since then have shown that the lunar body has shallow moonquakes that act differently from quakes on Earth due to the difference in texture, type, and density of the planet's strata. But there's no evidence of any large empty space inside the body. Now, there may be small caves, but that's just a different 
thing. Yeah, we also have caves. Yes, exactly. And to add to this, the like we said, the moon is the second densest moon in the solar system. However, it is only 3.3 grams per cubic meter, whereas the Earth is 5.5 grams per cubic meter. So it is still about 60% of the Earth's density. So it still is not as dense as a planet could be. One explanation for this discrepancy, of course, is that it's hollow. The other one is, is that the moon is actually formed from the Earth, but it's formed from the crust, which is actually less dense than the inside. Well, it would make more sense for it to be part of the crust than part of the interior of the Earth. Because if you're taken from the inside, you have real problems. Yeah, unless it was just like expelled from a volcano or something and shot out into the atmosphere. Yeah, of course, all these tests are likely done after the Nazis got there and hollowed out the inside. Of course. Who's to say? Who's to say at this point? And then what did the Nazis do with all this stuff from the inside of the moon? Well, that, of course... Oh, they shot it out the far side. Yeah, and now it's the moon moon. Yeah. That's where we get the term moon moon. That doesn't orbit. It just stays behind it. (laughs) Yes, on the dark side, which is actually the brightest side. The far side. (laughs) Yes. And then there's some people that think, of course, this hollow moon theory is crazy. Of course, what we're actually looking at is a spaceship. In 1970, Michael Vassin and Alexander Sherbakov of the Soviet Academy of Sciences, of course, you know you're getting good research when the only place that you can actually find the research is from Russian scientists. Yeah, I'm noticing that a lot on everything that you're saying. I actually heard a very interesting hypothesis behind it in a book that I was reading. It's called The Utopia of Rules by David Graver that we might talk about at a separate date, but it has nothing to really do with what I just said. So we're going to continue on. We've talked about somebody who just did research on Russia. It was David Wilcock. It was David Wilcock, yes. Yeah, it was David Wilcock. (laughs) And he exclusively used Russian sources. And I forget who it was, but he's like, hey, I'm an idiot, but stop using the fucking Russians. They're not good. (laughs) I forget who told him that, but it was hilarious. No, I know. I Those are golden episodes. Yeah, if you haven't listened, please go listen to our David Wilcock episodes. They're great. <laughs> You're in for the long haul. So these guys advance a hypothesis that the moon is a spaceship created by unknown beings. The article was entitled, Is the Moon a Creation of Alien Intelligence? And was published in Sputnik, the Soviet equivalent of Reader's Digest. The Vastin Skirbakov hypothesis was reported in the West that same year. Their hypothesis relies heavily on the suggestion that large lunar craters generally assumed to be formed from meteor impacts are generally too shallow and have flat or even convex bottoms. So just nice, smooth, round, like they'd look like contact lenses. They hypothesize that small meteors are making cup-shaped depressions in the rocky surface of the moon, while the large meteors are drilling through to a rocky layer and hitting an armored hull underneath. So when you have a meteor hit, you don't actually expect like a smooth, perfect convex layer. You have in the middle a little bit pop back up and you have like a second indentation. So that's why they're saying it's weird that they're perfectly convex. Does that make sense? After you explained it. Okay, that's what we see when they hit Earth. So that's what we expect. And they're saying that's what you see in the shallow ones, not the deep ones. Okay, well, wouldn't it be different on the moon? You would think. With no gravity. The author referenced earlier speculation by astrophysicist Josef Sklovsky, who suggested that the Martian moon Phobos was an artificial satellite in hollow. This has since been shown not to be the case. Skeptical author Jason Colavito points out that all of their evidence is circumstantial, and that in the 1960s, the atheistic Soviet Union promoted the ancient astronaut concept in an attempt to undermine the West's faith in religion. But that has not stopped people from fully believing this. And I absolutely love this website I found. It is, shoot, did I close that webpage? Where is it? Yeah, I closed that webpage. That's okay. I wrote actually down what he said. This was from a guy by the name of Scott C. Waring. I just have to say, that's why you never close a webpage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you're going to need it eventually. <laughs> never close them. Okay, continue. And he only believes that NASA's covering up the moon is an alien space station. He posted this in 2019, April 15th, with the title UFO Exits Door in Moon. Gets deleted from NASA Image Archive after reporting it. April 2019, UFO sighting news. 
Date of Discovery 2013, Location of Discovery, Earth's Moon Apollo. I reported finding these two photos in the NASA Images Atlas back in 2013, but between then and now, they got deleted. It looks as if NASA is using the research I do at this site to help edit out the existence of aliens. These photos are much more important than you may think. The evidence that NASA deleted is not just a UFO, but is also 100% evidence that the moon is not real, but actually an alien space station. That's right, the moon's surface appears real, but as you see, the surface can open up huge doors that allow ships to exit and enter at any given time. How do you think that the public would react if they knew that the moon was not real, but an alien space station with its surface covered with debris to make it look like a moon? The public would panic, chaos would ensue, and the world's government would be in turmoil. All from two little photos, but they stopped all that from ever happening with a single stroke of a delete key. That's why NASA exists, to control what the public knows. Signed, Scott C. Waring. <laughs> NASA has responded to these in the past, and they're saying that people that claim they see objects on the moon are simply seeing mind tricks or psychological phenomenon called pareidola, yeah. which is simply like people seeing things that they're familiar with in patterns. Like, you know, seeing Jesus on a piece of toast. Yeah, or like seeing shapes of the clouds. Yeah, or a face on the Mars. Yeah, yeah, it's famous. But like one of the things that they're saying, like why they think it's a space station too is because of the perfect solar eclipse that the moon creates like why else would it do that again it is weird that it is a coincidence that this happens but people use it to go a little further than that some people also say that this is ridiculous it's not hollow it's not a space station that has an inside with space stuff it's simply that there are bases on the far side of the moon some claim an ancient alien civilization has made it their home away from the prying eyes of humanity, which if you wanted a place that's close to Earth and we can't communicate about, the far side of the moon makes a lot of sense because it's blocked out if you're on the other side looking at it. You can't communicate with Earth because it's on the far side. Yeah. It's blocked. But many think the truth is far more connected to mankind. A secret lunar base set up by one of Earth's superpowers. Some claim the Nazis managed to colonize and set up a base on the moon, while others insist the US is the one who has a huge complex on the far side. There are wild claims that Adolf Hitler landed men on the moon back in 1942, and a Bulgarian researcher by the name of Vladimir Trzyski, who has already come up in this episode, claims he has evidence to prove the bizarre theory. He's the one who said that the Nazis got there in the 40s. Yeah, I remember that. Does David Wilcock talk about any of these guys? In his hey, movie? guess who we're going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Just give me two paragraphs. <laughs> oh, good. There are also people that say there are massive structures on the moon that have to be uh, non-naturally occurring. And you can see them in photographs taken by the Lunar Orbiter in February of 1967, which shows a mile-high piece of something rising from the surface of the moon. NASA conspiracy theorist Richard Hoagland, that's who we were talking about with David Wilcock. Right, he said don't use the Russian. And Richard, you just, he's an idiot, you're right. He was like, yeah. hey, I'm an idiot, don't use Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like something Richard Oakland. <laughs> That's probably a direct quote. <laughs> so he said there was a mile-high monolith on the moon. He called it the Shard and argued that no geological phenomenon can explain it, so it must be artificially made. It turned out later, however, that Hoagland had processed the image, so a spot of light in the image turned into the Shard. So it was just like a, a misprocessing of the photo. And another photo taken during the Apollo 15 moonwalk in 1971 depicts a bright light above astronaut David Scott's head. This led some people to suggest that maybe it's evidence of alien activity, but experts have said it's just lens flare. And then, of course, we have to talk about the people who have been there. People like Corey Good, who at the age of 17 participated <laughs> in the secret space program called SSP, which is for secret space program. <laughs> The full name of this program is the Sun Guardian Program, and the specific year was around 1986. In the early stages of participating in this program, Corey Good and his buddies were trained on the human base on the moon, which of course yeah. was on the far side. And my God, both David Wilcock and Corey Good have talked about this on episodes of their shows before. David Wilcock's, oh, it was called Ancient Wisdoms that he had, where he talked about Corey Good's connection to the moon bases. And then Corey Good had a show. The one where they were held at gunpoint. It was not while they were held at gunpoint. And then, of course, Corey Good and Wilcock did the Lunar Operations Command <laughs> episode of a show I forgot to put the name of, which says, according to our insider, many people already live and work in bases 
is embedded under the lunar surface. So this is just one integral part of five active space programs. Corey Good discloses five secret space programs and discusses the role our moon plays in interplanetary diplomacy. Holy shit, five? Yeah. I really like that they started off with according to our insider and then end off with Corey Good's gonna tell us this shit. <laughs> because they knew if they started off with Corey Good says this stuff, it's gonna be like, oh god, again. <laughs> People who are listening to it love him. Yeah, this must be the most interesting human being ever to yes. live. Like he's done <laughs> so much with the blue space. People are paying for that information. Yeah. So yeah, both Corey Good and David Wilcock have talked extensively about the bases on the far side of the moon that connect us with the interplanetary order. They're fucking insane. You can quote me it, as that saying that. I, I don't was, think I I'm going to get it stuff. until you just yeah. said Corey Good. I was like, mm, yeah. Nazis on the moon, okay. The bell rings, yeah. It all makes sense. And then you're like, Corey Good. And I was like, fuck this, I'm out. And I'm, I'm just happy so many people made a, a guest appearance on this episode. <laughs> It, it was great. I love it when it all comes together like this. I'm going to take it back and I'm going to end you off with just a little factoid that will, will make it sound a little more fun. And that is, we all know in European and Western society that there's a man on the moon. If you look at the moon, you can see the face of a man. Yeah. But in Asian culture, it's actually a rabbit. No. Yeah, they see oh, a shit. rabbit and he's living up there. Up there with Changa, who was destined to be there in Chinese mythology because she stole her husband's immortality potion that he was tricked into. It's it's a fun story. Go look up the story of Changa and Ho Yi if you're looking for mythology to look at. But I think that's a good place to end, especially when we're talking about the Lunar New Year and some Chinese dabbling into the lunarness. That would be a good thing to Google for the Chinese Lunar New Year. But I feel like if I started to Google it, I would not, based on how I would phonetically spell that, bring up the story you're referring to. No, you you definitely would not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the mystery of it. That's the moon in a nutshell in a dome that we can never escape. Chelsea, any questions? Well, I learned that the moon is a very mysterious place and we're just not sure what's up with it. Yeah. It's a mystery and not sure what else to say other than that, other than we don't know what it is or what it's doing, who lives there. And I just do want to put a caveat on this. These are fully westernized conspiracies with the moon. I did not look into any other cultural-ish conspiracies or weirdness of the moon. <gasps> which I'm sure we could actually turn into a thing, but it would be a little bit hard to research. It would be. I've never thought about that. Other culture conspiracy theories, they're probably so weird, but probably not any weirder than Corey Good and David Wilcock, what they're putting out. No, and to be fair, there's probably conspiracy in other cultures that Corey Good exists. <laughs> <laughs> like, no man can claim that many things and be real. That's true. I'm glad I predicted that after all the Russian scientists that yeah. <laughs> an appearance on this episode. And with that, I want you all to take a second, depending on if the moon is out or not. Uh, it might be even if it's the day, you never know. It's not just a nighttime guy. But I want you to take a look and, and, and go look and see. Can you actually see the bunny in the moon? And if you have, I think I've given you a little thing that you can take forward with you. And with that, I have been Taylor here with Chelsea. We have been Journey to the Fringe. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Hey.